Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. And I'll be reading the scripture from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 7. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. If you're uh, just joining us or just catching up or looking at the front of your bulletin today, the series that we're in, the journey that we're on is fully alive. And even if you, oh, sorry, junior high, I always forget. You guys head off to your uh, class with Kate at the front there. Um, Even if you've never been here before, um, never had a church background or whatever, those two words, fully alive, it's probably safe to say that who wouldn't want that, right? Every one of us would probably want those words, however you might define them. And what we said last week as we started this, uh, this journey is that to be fully alive, often we think, well, I have to, I have to do these, these things or these things that would, would mark my life more, these kinds of activities. I should stop doing this stuff, start doing this stuff, and maybe at the beginning of a year, maybe we're more open to those kinds of conversations in our lives. But we actually said last week that before we can think about our activity, we have to think about our identity because our identity drives our activity. In other words, who we are as people, how we see ourselves, guides all of the things we choose to do and not do. And so that if we are going to live as fully alive people, we are going to become all that we were meant to be. We actually have to understand who we are first. And so we started this uh, journey with the premise that you and I, as, as Christians, as people who are followers of, of Christ, fundamentally find ourselves in this thing called the body. Uh, that the body is a metaphor that describes our lives as people. That as you Uh, begin to follow Jesus, you lose a way of living that is by yourself and for yourself, and you are, in a sense, become, you have a communal identity, each one unique, just as a body has different parts, each one uniquely shaped, each one uh, according to its purpose, and yet seamlessly integrated to many others. And so we have this both one and many identity that we find ourselves in. And we said that this is actually a good thing um, because it means that not only do we have a community in which we are interdependent with, we're connected to, but that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. He's the one who leads us. Now, I said last week that if you're not a Christian, I may have given you lots of reasons why to never become one, because it's kind of a scary thing to think that we would be connected to other people that we can't just dismember ourselves from, and that somehow we would not be the Lord of our lives, but that the Lord would be the Lord of our lives. That that's kind of a scary thing. But He said, actually, it's a much better way to live, that God knows that the things things that you and I have done, your greatest regrets in life, the trouble you found yourself in, whatever point in life, came from living independently or connected to not the right group of people, 
and living autonomously for yourself. And so that you realize, no, that I cannot live in a way where I'm not connected to other people and I live for myself. That's not the way that actually leads to life. That God has actually brought me into a body, into a community of people because he knows that's where life is found for me. To be, to find myself as one of many interdependent and yet led by Jesus into what is best for my life. Now, if this is the premise or any exploration of becoming fully alive is always a dangerous one. Because any exploration of saying, well, who am I, leaves us open to the trap or the pit of Narcissus. Now, Narcissus was one of the uh, gods in Greek mythology. And Narcissus was a powerful warrior. He was the son, apparently, of the river god and a, and a nymph. And he was not only powerful, he was beautiful. And yet, he, he, because he was so beautiful, he was very proud. And so the god Nemesis, the god of revenge, wanted to teach him a lesson and brought Narcissus down to a river where he could see a reflection of himself perfectly. And he did not realize it was a reflection, the story goes, and became so enamored with himself and so transfixed by his own beauty that he remained at the pool for the rest of his life until he died. He was, so, he was trapped, in a sense, by love of himself. And so from that story, right, we get the term narcissism, which is an obsession with self. And you see, any exploration of trying to find out who we are, and whether it's, whether it's in the church or in your own life, in your work, as a, as a husband or wife or parent or whoever you are, any exploration of that can actually lead us into the pit of self-obsession and pride, just like Narcissus. And in the end, what we end up is not as fully alive people, but as the kind of people that we all run away from. The kind of people that are so absorbed in themselves that they cannot think of anything else but themselves. And in fact, what we know is that when pride and self-obsession take over, we become less and less alive. We become less and less the people we want to be. And you know the people in your life that are like that are not people you like hanging around. They're people you tolerate. They're the people you try to get away from. And so if we want to become fully alive, this quest of, in a sense, self-discovery, we have to be very careful because especially in the church, like religion in a sense is driven off of pride, right? Religion is fueled by pride. I can do these things. Tell me the rules. I'll do them. Whatever holy place I need to be, whatever holy book I need to read, whatever holy things I need to do. And then I can say, I can feel good about myself. And I can say to God, you owe me because of my goodness. That's the heart of religion, right? Which is why religion, like so many other human pursuits, is ugly. It becomes ugly. It is full of pride and self-seeking. That's not just true about religion. It's true about every pursuit in careers, in families. Anything that becomes about me and for me and for my gain ultimately makes us less as people. Now, maybe even in this whole exploration of spiritual gifts, for some of you, the idea of spiritual gifts, you're kind of like, I don't know what that is. But others of you might say, well, yeah, I, I kind of know or I've read about it. Or maybe you had a church tradition where it was actually kind of ugly. Like it was actually kind of a pride thing. And it was this whole thing about who had what and prominence. And we, maybe you saw churches kind of ripped apart by that because essentially it became narcissism. It was a pursuit of self that became an obsession with self, pride, insecurity, whatever it was. And in the end, you did not or your community did not become more fully alive. In fact, you became the kind of people that you wanted to run away from. So how do we actually take this journey to discover more of who we are that doesn't lead to narcissism but leads to life? And the good news is, is that the, the journey that we are on in Scripture, that God leads us in, that the reason God has brought you into this body is not to discover your own greatness, 
but that you somehow would be a display of the greatness of Jesus. Right? The, the, the purpose of the church is not to make ourselves great. That as we find, as we discover who we are, it's not our own greatness that becomes more and more prominent. It is that more and more our lives as a community are able to display and reflect the greatness of Jesus. Right? Remember we said that last week that that is our purpose in a sense, our identity as the community, the body of Christ, is that Christ would be seen in the church and in the world. And so that actually rescues us from narcissism because it's not our greatness, it's his that we're trying to display. And the way that the greatness of Jesus gets displayed to the community of Jesus followers and to the world around us is through spiritual gifts. As the Spirit comes to us, if you're reading in your journal, uh, um, hopefully many of you are following along in your um, spiritual gifts journal. If you didn't get one, you can get one this week. But the very first reading said that ultimately the gift we have all received is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then gives us gifts all for the purpose of making Jesus visible and great to each other and in the world around us. But how does that actually happen? And that's, that's the journey we're trying to figure out. How is it that somehow we receive something from the Holy Spirit that is able to make us not narcissists, not proud, self-seeking, independent people, but actually make us as a community able to see and display Jesus to each other and display Jesus to the world. The passage that was read for us in 1 Corinthians this morning, 1 Corinthians 12, is one of the chapters in the New Testament that explains it. And, and in these few verses, we actually have the key, the clue to, to how this happens. And you'll see on, on the, in the scripture that was read for you, a couple of different ways. It says it's the same God, it's the same Lord, it's the same Spirit that distributes him. It's kind of like a Trinitarian verse, you know, it says God, Lord, Spirit, all together. That the Spirit gives gifts to the church as he wills. And then in verse 7, the last verse, this is, if you're trying to understand what is a spiritual gift, this is probably one verse that describes it all in a very simple but most profound way that helps us understand. Verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It says to each one, to every one of us who is in Christ. Every one of us in the body of Christ is given spiritual gifts. Every one of you. It doesn't matter your title. It's not spiritual gifts given to the more spiritual people, whatever that means. It's not spiritual gifts given to people who have been Christians for longer than others. It's not spiritual gifts given to people who have certain titles or roles in the church. It's not spiritual gifts given to clergy, but not to others. To each one. And, and Paul had spent a good amount of time already in this passage explaining how every part of the body is essential to the life of the body, right? So he's trying to say, look, this is about all of us. This is about each of us. No, no one of us can duck this and say, this doesn't apply to me. Now, if you're not a Christian, you say, well, I'm not part of the body of Christ. I'm still figuring out, good, this is, you can actually understand, well, what does it mean to actually be the church? You can start to see categorically, this is not like religion at all. This is about being a part of something that is alive, that then is empowered, in a sense, by the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds kind of weird, but stay with me. 
If you're a Christian, though, you can't duck this. If you want to become fully alive, which I'm assuming every one of us does, this is where it begins. To each one. Now, to each one is given what? This, this weird word. The manifestation of the Spirit. So the word manifestation means appearance. It means, like if you want to use a, a more religious term, revelation of the Spirit. And it's the Spirit of who? It's the Spirit of Jesus. So here's, here's what this is saying. To each one is given an appearance of Jesus. We need to stop here for a moment because this, this is mind-blowing. Here's what this is saying. It's talking about spiritual gifts, remember? To each one of us is given the potential for Jesus to appear in us and through us. It is as if Jesus is physically present through each one. That's what it says, the manifestation. That's what spiritual, a spiritual gift is, an ability or in a sense where somehow Jesus appears through your life and my life together. The manifestation of Jesus, an appearance of Jesus, is what, is what happens through a spiritual gift. It's in a sense, when, when someone uses a spiritual gift, it's like everyone else says, Jesus is here. God is here. God is with us. The appearance of Jesus through the spiritual gifts for what? For the common good. For who? For everyone. For the community. For the community of faith. For the community in which the community of faith finds itself living and breathing. For everyone. The manifestation of Jesus and appearance of Jesus is given through each one so that everyone receives a blessing, so that everyone benefits. In other words, and I tried to, you know, I always try to rhyme these things. I could not rhyme this, okay? But I just needed to give you a definition of what is a spiritual gift. It is the presence, voice, and work of Jesus to others through you. You get that? The presence voice and work of Jesus to others through you. Now, this is profound because a spiritual gift, who's actually receiving the gift? You? No, the common good, right? Everybody, in a sense, receives something through you. That's how the gift works. It's ultimately, in a sense, not a gift that God gives to you. It's a gift that he's giving to others through you, through each of you. In other words, every one of us has been designed and has the potential to reveal Jesus to the community. The person that receives is the, the ones in the community. The person that, in a sense, gives is the one through whom the Spirit works. You get it? So the people receiving the gifts is everybody else. We all get gifts through each other which totally changes this whole perspective on spiritual gifts because now it's not this obsessive kind of narcissistic, insecure, who am I, how am I, am I going to, it's actually going, you know what, I might get one or two gifts, but everybody else gets all the rest of them, so I get all of them. I get to be the beneficiary, I get to benefit from 
you, all of you using your gifts. So I have my one or two that I bring to the table, but every other gift is present in the body so that I get to receive from all of you. And spiritual gifts is not primarily about me, but it's about the Spirit choosing to reveal Jesus to the community through each one. And every one of us has a role to play. The whole description of the body is saying the body can't function if certain parts say, I'm not important. If someone says, that's what he said, right? If the, if the hand says, well, I can't see, therefore I'm not important, or I'm not a part of this body, Paul says, no, no, the body can't work that way. Each part has to embrace who they are and be willing to be a part of the body so that Jesus can be seen, so that Jesus is evident. See, ultimately then spiritual gifts aren't about us. They're about Jesus making himself known through your life and my life together. So often when it comes to like, um, you know, when we're trying to figure out what's the difference between a spiritual gift and, a, and an ability, a natural ability, maybe something I was born with or a skill, something I work with, just stuff that I'm good at. Part of it is this thing is a, something given to you by God. You weren't born with it. It is a supernatural ability that God gives you, that God chooses to use you in order to reveal Jesus. Oftentimes in our skills and our training and our experience and the stuff we're born with, we are the ones who shine, right? We, we, the attention is turned to us. In spiritual gifts, whatever happens in our lives is meant to turn the attention to Jesus. That when someone experiences a spiritual gift, it should make them go, oh, Jesus is here. Jesus is speaking to me. Jesus is helping me. Jesus is present here. That Jesus is, is with us when spiritual gifts are being used. It's fundamentally not about shine, us shining. Ultimately, if you think about that verse, right, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We are simply the conduit. Jesus shines and everybody else gets to receive Jesus. Everybody else benefits from the use of spiritual gifts. Ultimately, when someone else is using their spiritual gift, you get to experience Jesus. You get to, when, when someone is teaching, as a spiritual gift of teaching, they're teaching, you should be able to get to see Jesus through that. When someone uses a gift of encouragement and they speak words that, that empower you and you feel like, wow, I feel different after having talked to you, it's because you've met with Jesus. Jesus is actually talking to you through. So many of us say, well, it would have been so great to live when Jesus lived, that, that if, we, if I could have walked on the earth with him somehow those three years. But Jesus said, actually, it's better if I go because I'm going to send the Spirit and way more people are going to get to actually experience my presence than just the few people who lived with me on the earth at that time. Do you get it? That we get to actually experience the presence, the voice, and the work of Jesus through the community of Jesus. Now, this is good news. Even if you're not a Christian, you should want the church to be like this. Because the church actually, right up until about 350 AD, was doing exactly this. Until sort of politics got a hold of it. Until Constantine converted and made Christianity sort of the religion of the state. Up until that point, all the community of Jesus was doing was living like Jesus. So they started hospitals. They were creating a revolution of mercy, love, compassion, power, presence, authority. Why? Because they were revealing Jesus, displaying Jesus to the world around them. And every one of us can say, you know, whatever you believe about Jesus, you know, even if you're a skeptic here today, or you have, 
Nobody says, you know what, that guy had a really bad influence on history and society. Nobody says that about Jesus. Everybody would want the world and the church to be more like Jesus. And so that's why this is good news, because Jesus said, I'm giving the body gifts so that they can display Jesus to the world around us, because the world needs more of Jesus. That's what this is so amazing. That's what spiritual gifts are about. And so we aren't the ones who shine. If we are doing our part, if we are making ourselves available, essentially we're saying, okay, God, do whatever you want to do through my life so that Jesus is made visible and everyone else goes, ah, Jesus was here. That the presence, the voice, and the work of Jesus was visible to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to the, through my life, through your life. That's, that's what we hope for. And everyone has a part to play. You know, and I was thinking about this is that it only takes one person in any community to use their spiritual gift in order for the community to see Jesus. Right? Like, we're going to get into what some of these gifts are. But there's, there's something called the gift of faith, which, as far as I can understand it from Scripture and the way I've seen it in other people's lives, is there are some of you that have a spiritual gift that it is from God, this way beyond positive thinking, but it's something in you that is a conviction of who God is and what he says he will do, and it is unshakable. No matter what you have been through in life, no matter what circumstances have happened, you believe. You have faith. You have a confidence in who God is and that he will do what he says he will do. Now, when one person who has the gift of faith exercises that gift, we all get faith. In a sense, faith is released in the congregation when one person says, I believe who God is. I believe that he will do what he says he will do. It actually awakens faith in all of us maybe who are struggling to believe. And maybe you've had that experience where you have struggled to believe. You're feeling doubtful. You're feeling whatever. And you go away from a conversation with someone and their confidence in God has inspired you with faith. That is a spiritual, it is as if Jesus has been present to you in that conversation and he gives you an ability to have faith in him. That's how it works. Only one person, as they use their gift of faith, can awaken faith in a whole congregation. My, I had the privilege of uh, being in a church that, that planted our church and my dad is the minister there and he's just kind of retiring this year. But I sat under his teaching. He has the spiritual gift of teaching. He, he's able to teach the scriptures in a way that I'm, I'm able to see Jesus when he teaches. And I sat under his teaching for 25 years. And there are passages now that I read, that I read differently, that I see Jesus in them. There are things that I remember from years and years ago that I have never forgotten because I believe the Spirit empowered him to, when he taught that it would burn in my mind and in my heart about who Jesus was. That one person using his spiritual gift of teaching has multiplied itself over in my life and, and, and thousands of people, and he's spoken all over the world. One person using their gift can actually enable others to see Jesus in the word of God because one person used their gift of teaching. You see, so when each of us use the gift, it actually multiplies the gift in the, for the common good. And ultimately, it's not about that person. My dad's going to die in a little while, and he doesn't know when, and I don't know when, and no one knows when. But what the Spirit did through his life will live on, not as his legacy, but as spiritual power that multiplied itself over and over and over. Because one person used their gift. That's how it works. So it only takes one. 
doesn't matter how small the church is, but it means that each one of us has to say, I have a role to play in this community, and I cannot check out, I cannot duck this, I cannot say because I don't know what it is, or I don't want to use it, or I'm afraid, or I, I'm confused that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit this one out. We cannot do it because the body will miss something because it's what God wants to do through you. And, and the, the breadth of spiritual gifts is as high and wide as deep as the breadth of Jesus was. And when we're going to get into, we've actually, you don't need to remember this for now, but we've kind of grouped the gifts as gifts that do, gifts that speak, and gifts that demonstrate. Because we often think, oh, spiritual gifts are like preachers or priests and ministers or, or people who sing or people who do things that, that pray really powerful. Those people have spiritual gifts. But, but I'm just someone who likes to help other people. Or I'm just someone who loves to talk to other people, call them up, find out how they're doing. That, that's not really spiritual. But there are gifts that do. The, these are gifts that are activists. And some of you are like, I can't sit still. Even in church, you're like, oh my gosh, like if it's any longer than an hour and a half, like we got to do something. Some of you are activists. You actually have been given gifts that are hands-on gifts. And, and that makes sense because when you look at Jesus, Jesus didn't come as a floating spirit who just kind of made people feel better by you know, floating around like smoke. And he wasn't just someone who talked about God. He was someone that did stuff. He was helping other people. He was leading other people. So there are spiritual gifts like mercy that are hands-on. Some of you run screaming from hurting people. Others of you mysteriously move towards them. And all the rest of us are going, how on earth, where do you get that from? Oh, I just said, no, it's spiritual empowerment. It's actually the spirit in you that is a gift to say, I'm going to display the mercy of Jesus to that person through your life. And that person feels as if Jesus himself was lifting them up, out of their pain, out of their trouble. That's how that works. There are gifts that do, that show the doing work of Jesus. There are gifts that speak, like a gift of encouragement, like I said. Some of you have the gift of encouragement where others are down. Others are wanting to quit on their marriage, on their faith, on their life. Others are beaten down by circumstances, sicknesses that they can't shake, health issues that they can't get rid of, sin issues that keep... And you go to someone, and when you're done talking with them, it's only 20 minutes or maybe five minutes, or maybe you just get an email from them, you have left there renewed. You're, you're, you've recommitted. You said, okay, I'm not going to walk away from this. I'm not going to bail on this. I'm not going to give up hope. That person has a spiritual gift of encouragement. It is a spoken word that ignites something in you that says, yes, I'm going to keep on keeping on. There, so there are gifts that speak. And then there are gifts that, that, in a sense, demonstrate. And these are some of those ones where when they use them, you feel the power of God. Some of those are like miraculous healing or people with the gift of healing. Some people, the, the gift of prophetic words where when they speak or when they act, or when they pray, something happens, and it's, it's, it's spiritually powerful, and it cannot be explained by anything other than God was here. And there are gifts like that. But all of them are spiritual gifts. And each one has a role to play in how we use them. Because as we do, the community sees Jesus. And so it's fundamentally not about you and who you are and, and how shiny you are. But as each one comes together and plays our part, Jesus becomes present. His presence, his power, his voice, his work is on display in the community and to the community around us. 
So how does this happen? Well, you got to get moving and you got to get together. By get moving, I mean you got to get in play. You can say, well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. Well, don't wait around till you figure it out. Get moving. Do stuff. Because ultimately, it is you saying to God, you can do whatever you want to do with my life. I, I know that you want to display Jesus in me for the common good, so I'll put myself out there, and I'll let you decide how you want to do it. Because it's not about me. It's not about me figuring exactly how I are, so I make sure I don't make a mistake, and I don't trip up, and I don't get it wrong. So I'm going to wait and wait and wait and take all these surveys and try to figure it out. You can't know. I feel like, you know, I was just reflecting on this in my own journey. It's taken me years and years and years, I think, to be able to figure out my spiritual gifts, but just by being in play and doing stuff. And then you need to get together with other people because other people need to call it out. Other people, in a sense, act like a mirror, right? Because we can't see ourselves. Other people need to say, hey, I see this in you. Other people need to say, hey, when you sent me that note this week, it changed my week. Other people need to say, hey, when you showed me that in Scripture, it blew my mind. When you prayed for me, when you came and helped me, that, that had spiritual power in my life. Often we don't realize the impact we are having on others. We need others to say, that was like Jesus to me. And, and maybe they wouldn't articulate that, but something happened when you spoke. Something happened when you called. Something happened when you came over. Something happened when you prayed. So we, we need to actually get in play and figure this stuff out, and we need to get together so we can help each other see and understand. And I know there are spiritual gift surveys and stuff that you can take, but ultimately, really, the thing that's going to help you figure out who you are is as you get moving and you begin to understand who you are, and as other people close to you in the community are able to say that in you is Jesus. I know for my own journey as I've understood my spiritual gifts, these two things have played such an important role. When we um, when we came to uh, this church plant and we, we started working here and, and, and I basically said yes to come to church. Jen and I found out they were planting the church. We didn't really know much about it, but we said yes, we'll go. And so, so we came. And then as we were coming, Pastor Andre, the guy who planted the church, said, would you lead worship? Now, I, don't, I've, I was terrible learning music when I was a kid, quit everything I could. I don't know how to read music. I can't play scales. I can't do anything. But I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. I like it. So I said yes, so I'll lead worship. Then he said, would you be on the leadership team? Sure, I've never been in any leadership team in a church, sure, but I'll be on a leadership team. And I just kind of liked it. So I did it. Then one day, it was a Saturday, I was going to lead worship the next day. Andre calls me and he says, VJ. And I picked up the phone. He said, I can't, I'm on the couch. I can't move. I tore my sternum. I said, oh, that's terrible. He says, you have to preach tomorrow. No, he says, he says, I don't know what to do about tomorrow. And I'm thinking, okay, well, we can, I don't know, we can run an Andy Stanley video or something. And Jen's in the same room. She hears me. She said, I'm like, no, no. I said, yeah, I don't know. I said, maybe we can run a video. She said, you preach. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, I know. And then he says, how about you preach? I'm like, ah. Oh. I've never preached a sermon in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to lead worship tomorrow. So, I knew the passage that we were preaching on, so I said, okay, I'll do it. So I disappeared in my room and scribbled down. I don't think we recorded them back in those days, which is really good. It was probably horrible. Um, but that was the first day I preached. I did not put up my hand. I did not have a spiritual gift. I did not ask for this. I didn't want to do it. If somebody else could have done it, and if I had stayed at my old church, nobody would have ever asked me. 
Because there's probably about, there's about seven other people on staff. There's about 20 other people there that could have been asked to preach. I would have never put my hand up and no one would have ever asked me. But here I was. I had said yes to coming to this church plan. I had said yes to leading worship. I had said yes to being on the leadership team. And then there I was having to say yes to preach. And I got up there. But that was just the beginning. I would say now, I think, I believe God has given me a spiritual gift of teaching. But I, didn't ha- I don't know if I didn't have it then. I didn't know anything about it. And that was like years before I ever thought I was going to be the minister of this church. But like just one thing led to another. I kept saying yes to God. I kept saying yes to God. And you know, your life is going like this and this. And it's like, I don't know. There's no one else to do it. I'll be happy to do it. And one thing leads to another. And slowly I start to have an understanding of what God has called me to do. Finally to the point where Andre said, would you, you know, join staff here? I knew enough to know, yeah, God has called me into this. But I didn't know it then. I just said yes. I was in play. And I kept seeing God, you know, showing up in my life. And, and then I needed, in community, people to affirm this. I'll never forget this. You, many of you know Tim Rapetsky and I grew up together. And I've known Tim for a long time. He's, he's not a man of many words, okay? Certainly compared to me. And yet I respect him tremendously in his life. And, you know, as we'd gotten to know each other as we grew older, both of us were maturing. Well, we were having dinner one night with him and his wife and me and Jen. And... I was in the middle of trying to figure out, should I become the minister of this church? And I said to him, you know, this is what I'm kind of thinking of. And Tim says to me, he said, that's good. He said, because I was wondering when we were going to have that awkward conversation where I need to tell you to wake up and do this. And that, I'll never forget that. That was one of three very significant conversations in, in sort of my life calling in the space of about a month. For a guy who doesn't waste a lot of words and doesn't just throw things around, in that moment said, I see this in you, you need to do this. And there were two other conversations, my wife being one of them and another person in this church, that without them affirming, I never would, I never could have said yes. I needed other people in my life to say, I see this in you, I see this in you, I see this in you. It's a risk you gotta take. I never would have taken it. This is, how, this is how spiritual gifts work in our lives. As we say yes to God, as we keep making ourselves available, not because we feel capable, not because we know we can do this, but we just know we're, that God has chosen to work this way and we'll put ourselves in play. And then as other people are in our lives and they say, I see this in you, I see this in you, this is a risk you should take. This is how it works. This, this exploration has totally changed my perspective on the whole thing, that this is really not about me at all. This is not about what title I can put over my name or what survey I can figure out to figure out who I am, but this is about me being in a place where God can use my life to display Jesus for the common good. And as he does that, I get joy. It's for them, the gifts are for you, that we receive from one another through what the Spirit is doing in us. And uh, just this week I was talking to Melissa, you know, who's on staff with us, and she had an experience of this that had nothing to do with her job and nothing to do with maybe what she thought her gifts were, and yet it was a, it was a beautiful display of how God works when we actually open up our lives to let him do it. So I asked her if she'd just share her story for a few minutes with you. I don't usually have notes when I talk to you all, but I'm not usually this serious. (laughs) Here you go. Um, One of the really exciting things about getting to spending my working hours um, at the church is that I get to kind of get an inside scoop on some of the stuff that's going to be happening later on. And so as a staff, we've been talking about and thinking about spiritual gifting for uh, the last few months. And I would say going into it, my comfort level with it was pretty low. 
Um, I generally have probably been confusing uh, gifting with strengths or abilities and my natural aptitudes. Um, and because I didn't feel particular, particularly apt in any of the spiritual gifts listed in the Bible, I just figured that any of my gifts weren't particularly spiritual. Um, but over the summer, actually one of the um, awesome volunteers that I worked with during Kindle Kids mentioned something along the ideas that she thought that I had the gift of leadership. And it kind of confused me because while I had taken on lots of different leadership um, positions in my life, I would never, ever, ever have described it um, as a spiritual um, gift. So it got me to thinking about why it is that sometimes when I'm serving, um, I enjoy it, but I am so tired and maybe even a little, little bit cranky <laughs> after. Um, but in other times when I'm serving, um, I feel like I'm about to explode. I'm so fired up. I still hadn't equated that with gifting before. So two weeks ago, we had our week of prayer, and Vijay um, asked me to be part of the prayer team on the Friday night. Uh, for the last few years on the Friday, which is the last night of our week of prayer, we have a bunch of people who will volunteer to pray for anybody that comes for anything. Um, and so I said yes. I said yes, um, not really thinking. And I said yes because I have the spiritual gift of yes. Um, that's not a spiritual gift. I'm just kidding. Um, but I do say yes a lot and usually think about the implications of that afterwards. Um, and this was no different in that case. I didn't have to say yes. I'm not a pastor. I am not on a prayer ministry team. I have no training in praying, <laughs> if there is that. Um, but I decided I was going to just go for it. And... Um, Praying for someone isn't one of my usual skills. It doesn't involve a microphone. Um, there's no food for me to prepare or serve. And I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to make jokes while you're praying. So I was getting more and more nervous about this as um, the time came. And what if I didn't know what to pray for? So earlier in that week of prayer, uh, Pastor Vijay shared from a passage in John that says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And many of you have maybe heard that passage lots before I have for sure um, but really what struck me this time is how a branch really can't do anything apart from the vine and it doesn't grow and it's not alive and all of those things and so I felt like that just really hit me that night that I had to stop worrying about um, Friday night and what I would pray about and instead I needed to concentrate on staying attached to the vine and um, abiding in Jesus and consciously just asking God to fill me with the Holy Spirit and like the end like that's all I had to do that's it so Friday night came and prior to the meeting all of the prayer team people committed the night to the Lord and invited the Holy Spirit like with our words we just said Holy Spirit come and have your way tonight and um, guess what he did it was such an awesome night if you were there I just felt like it was just a really sacred and special place um, I wasn't nervous anymore I was expectant um, I decided that I wasn't going to rush into praying. I was actually going to sit and try and listen, which I don't do very well, and then pray when I felt led. And I didn't have a clue what the led part was going to feel like, um, but I just relaxed into that decision, and I decided that I was going to trust God about that part. And then um, it happened. One of my biggest fears. So this lady came up to be prayed for, and she said, she did it really, it was like the meanest thing ever, actually. She said, I have many things that I need to be prayed for about, but 
I don't want to tell you any of them. I just want you to be led by the Spirit. <laughs> like, come on, really? Like, that's not pressure. Like, I don't know. Like, what does that feel like? But then, like, I was quiet. I did all those things. And, like, the Spirit led us. And I don't know really how to describe it, but I prayed for things, um, like, specific things that I had no idea about. I, like... Like, I had scripture passages that I don't even know that I was saying to this person. And it ended up being, like, her life verse that she had had. And, and just the whole thing was, it was, it was crazy, actually. And I, I mean, I don't even know really how to describe it or what it was, except I know for sure that it wasn't from me and that it was for sure from the Holy Spirit. And the really cool thing about all of that was then afterwards when we debriefed the night, that just hadn't just happened to me or through just me. It had happened through so many different people that had been there that night, and they had blessed and encouraged and spoken truth into the lives of people who had come for prayer. Um, and it was, it was for surely none of us. Um, none of them came from me or from anyone else. They were all a result of the Holy Spirit being invited to do the work that he's called to do. Um, whatever happened that night, I don't even know what you would call it, wasn't for me or because of me. They were for the people I was praying for and was because the Holy Spirit was there and invited to move. Um, and as for the whole feeling fully alive thing, like, are you kidding me? Um, I got in the car to come home and I thought I was going to burst. I had never, it had been such a long week, like we've been praying all week and it had been, I mean, that's fun, but kind of going it every night and feeling tired and the day had been a long day and I, I was so overwhelmed. I knew I was not going to be able to fall asleep. Um, I was excited and joyful, and I learned that I could be used by God. I don't know what, I don't, I mean, maybe we're going to learn what the actual gifts of those things are. I don't know, and I don't know if I'll ever, if that'll ever happen again. Um, but I learned that I could be used by God to bless others, and the only thing I had to do was show up. I didn't need special qualifications or training or a title. I just needed to learn how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I asked Melissa to share that with you because I, I really think that in it is the key because she did not say yes to that because she knows she has the spiritual gift of whatever that is. And it actually doesn't matter what spiritual gift was at work in that point. She'll figure that out over time. But we were talking this week and how does she have the gift of whatever or did it just happen? It actually doesn't matter. We just know that it happened. And probably next time if she's asked to pray again, she'll say yes. Because she knows that's God worked in her last time, and so she'll say yes the next time. And as she goes and makes herself available, God will keep working in her life and making it known to her what, as she becomes more and more fully alive. But you see, in that moment, she just made herself available. Whoever got prayed for got blessed, but she experienced the, the fullness of the Spirit and, and had that experience of being fully alive. And that's how it works. And that's why I want you to know this. This journey is not about figuring out exactly how it works in your life. But you be willing to say, yes, I will be in play. I will do stuff. And I will trust that the Spirit will make Jesus known through my life for the common good. And what I get out of it is joy. What I get out of it is to the experience of being fully alive as somehow my life is used, just me playing my one part, to display Jesus. But it happens in community and suddenly everybody's seeing Jesus and Jesus is getting all the glory. And that's how it works. And so my next step for you is to say this, that 
when it comes to spiritual gifts or an opportunity for you to serve, to step into whatever it is, to say that this is an opportunity, this is the rhyming part, okay? This is an opportunity for someone else to see Jesus through me. That, that's what this is. Some of you serve in, in many capacities in this church, but I wonder maybe if you have not ever seen your service like this, that you would not say, okay, as I do setup, or as I'm on worship team, or I'm teaching kids, or I'm guiding them, or I'm preparing food for a 30-minute party, or I'm having people over to my house for a home group, or I'm leading a home group, that this that I'm, thing that I'm doing is an opportunity for someone else to see Jesus through me. Do, do we think that? You need to remember that's why you're there. Not because you're qualified, not because you have some title, that, but you said yes, and now this suddenly becomes an opportunity for someone else to see Jesus through me. And so I wanted to put that in front of you for those that are serving. This is what we are serving for so that others would see Jesus through us. And it's not about you going, oh, please, please, please. It's about the Spirit being willing to give someone else a gift through your life. And you saying, yep, I'm in play. That this is an opportunity. And for those of you that say, well, I'm not really serving, and maybe you've been waiting because it looks like everybody else knows what they're doing. That's, that's what always what it looks like, right? It looks like everybody else knows their gifts. Everybody else is very capable. Everybody else knows what they're doing, except me. That's just a lie. And it's keeping you trapped from having the experience of God working through your life. And so don't worry about whether you think serving here is exactly how you're meant to be or whatever. This is an opportunity for someone else to see Jesus through me, and I'll put myself in play. I'll say yes. And maybe I'll zig, and maybe I'll zag, and maybe I'll fix, and maybe five years from now I'll be doing something totally different. But God is going to work to reveal Jesus through my life because that's what he's determined to do. And so I'm going to take a risk and take a step and get into something and say yes to something and say yes to another thing, and be open to whatever it is, whether it's something new, whether there's something in you that you feel like, I've been wanting to do this, or something like in my situation where it's just thrust upon you by circumstance, and you're kind of like, I feel like I can't say no, so I'm going to say yes. To say, as I say yes, this is an opportunity for someone else to see Jesus through me. Now, why would you, why would you do that? Because there's risk involved always, right? There's a risk. So why would you risk? I was thinking my, my mind went to a verse in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says this. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the amazing things God has prepared for those who love him. Right? Does God need you to do this because somehow he is crippled in his ability to move his kingdom forward because you won't do or won't say yes? No. We always say this at, at our church, right? God doesn't need anything from you. He wants stuff for you. And here it says, Paul says in Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No one can actually conceive of how amazing the things are that God has planned for those that he loves and who love him. And so this is about you saying yes so that you get the chance to experience the fullness of God. And that's why you'd say yes. So I want you to stand as we worship together, as we respond together. Maybe you know what it is that you say, need to say yes to. Maybe you're still trying to figure it out. But maybe in this time of worship, you just want to say, God, okay, I, I need to let go of worrying so much about me. And I'm just going to let you do what you want to do through my life. Or maybe God's going to say to you, hey, I want you to go to that person and ask them something. I want you to go to them and ask them to say yes. Or I, go to, I want you to go to that person and say, I see this in you. That you would somehow stay in this. And let God actually make you more alive through an opportunity for someone else to see Jesus through you.
just want to bless you with um, maybe what may sound like an odd blessing. Uh, but this last uh, November, we were at a prayer retreat, and uh, there was a, we were praying with different pastors from different churches, and Jen and I were sitting with a couple from a Spanish church in the city, and I didn't know them. Um, and they just said, what, what do you want us to pray uh, for our church? And I just shared a couple things with her. And this one woman sitting next to me, she began to pray. And the words she said over and over again for our church were that, is that we would wake up. And, and the more she said it, it was one of the, you ever heard people persevering in prayer? She just kept saying it. And the more she said it, the more I felt like this was God saying that to us, that there are things that are dormant in our community that he wants to wake up and make us alive to and aware of. So I just want to bless you with the experience of waking up to something new that God is doing in your life. And you know how when someone shakes you out of a slumber, some of you pop out of bed, the rest of us normal people take a while, but suddenly you realize what's going on, right? Like a child who suddenly realizes it's Christmas morning. They shake off sleep. I just want to bless you with an experience of waking up to something new that God is doing in you and through you. Would you receive that? Amen.